0: Chapter 2 Three Dead Men The next day, I got to see my new school. It was only a quick walk from the boarding house across the cathedral close, and this time I at least gave the cathedral a sleepy glance as Alma Popperwell led me past it. The street behind it is lined with oak trees, and it resounded with the screams of terrifyingly awake first graders. Alma put a protective arm around my shoulder, which is quite embarrassing, especially when a group of girls walk past us. The school grounds are at the end of the street, behind a wrought iron gate that could easily tear your trousers when you climbed over it. On that morning, however, it was wide open. The crest on the gate shows just one disappointing white lily on blue ground. No dragons or unicorns or lions like on the crest above the gate to the city. "'Well, this is, after all, also the royal crest of the Stuarts, Mr. Whitcroft,' Mr. Rifkin, my new history teacher, observed dryly after I complained about it a few days later. He then launched into a tortuous hour of explaining how exciting heraldic animals would be entirely inappropriate for a cathedral school. "'While my old school had resembled a concrete box, the new one was a palace.' Erected in 1225 as the bishop's official residence, Alma explained in a raised voice as she navigated us through a throng of noisy and disconcertingly large boys. I was sick with fear, and I got very little comfort from picturing how I would hang the beard from one of the huge trees that stand on the school's lawn. Alma continued her lecture while we crunched across the gravel toward the entrance. The main building was erected in 1225. In the fifteenth century, Bishop Beecham had the east tower added. The façade is... and so on and so forth. She even recited the names of the countless bishops who had resided there. One of my new schoolmates later let me in on the secret that pelting the foreheads of the episcopal portraits that lie in the staircase is supposed to bring good luck on tests. It never worked for me, though. Anyway, of all the information Alma crammed into my weary head on that first morning... The only fact I recall is that behind one of the many windows James II got a nosebleed, so bad that he stayed in bed for days instead of facing William of Orange on the battlefield. I didn't learn much else on that first school day. I was far too busy trying to remember names and faces and not to get lost in the labyrinth of corridors and staircases. I had to face the facts that my schoolmates did not look starved and that I wouldn't find any of those dark halls I'd seen in my nightmares. Even the teachers were bearable. However, none of that changed that I'd been banished, and so I returned to Angus and Stew in the evening with the same gloomy face I'd put on that morning in front of the bathroom mirror. I was the Count of Monte Cristo, who would one day return from the terrible prison island to take revenge on all those that had sent him there. I was Napoleon banished to die a dire lonely death on St. Helena. I was Harry, locked up under the Dursley's staircase. The house in which I spent the dark nights of my banishment could not claim any stories about royal nosebleeds, even though it was also quite old. Its interior, however, had long been taken over by the 21st century. Linoleum floors, bunk beds, washrooms, and a television room on the ground floor. The girls had the first floor. "'The boys lived on the second. "'In our room, Angus was the uncontested inhabitant of the single bed. "'Angus was taller than I, by at least a head. "'He was three-quarters Scottish, and never talked about the other quarter, "'and quite a good ropey player, and he was one of the chosen, "'as we less fortunate ones called the choristers. "'They wore robes that were nearly as old as the bishop's palace. "'They got excused from class to attend rehearsals.' and they sang not only in the cathedral, but also in such exotic places as Moscow and New York. I was not surprised when I wasn't picked at the auditions, but Mum was crushed. After all, my father had been a chorister. The wall over Angus's bed sported photographs of his dog, his two canaries, and his tame turtle, but none of the human members of his family. When Stu and I finally got to meet them, we quickly realised that they actually didn't look half as nice as the dog and the canaries, though Angus's grandfather did bear some resemblance to the turtle. Angus slept under a mountain of fluffy toys, and he wore pyjamas with dogs printed on them. I quickly found out that both of those facts were best left unmentioned, unless you were keen to learn firsthand what a Scottish hug felt like. Stu occupied the top bunk, leaving me the bottom one, with his mattress looming above. During the first nights, the creaks and groans of Stu, turning above, kept yanking me out of my sleep. Stu was only marginally taller than a squirrel, and he had so many freckles that all of them barely...